Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I am your host, Oscar. I'm very pleased to have Marife here alongside me. Welcome to the Exploring Art Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's Marife here. On this episode, we will be examining a piece by Italian painter Michelangelo Merci da Caravaggio, specifically his rendition of the conversion of St. Paul, titled Conversion on the Way to Damascus. Besides the general conversation of Caravaggio's life and his painting, we will also be covering some of the criticisms hailed at the conversion, an examination of the event Caravaggio was depicting and how it compares to similar works Caravaggio was painting during his time. First off, who was Michelangelo Caravaggio? Prior to this assignment, I wasn't familiar with his work. What about you, Marife? I wasn't familiar with him too. I had some knowledge on the Renaissance artists and paintings such as The Birth of Venus by Sandra Botticelli and the Sistine Madonna by Raphael. I also studied the Renaissance in some literature classes which helped me understand a little bit about the artistic movement. Nevertheless, Renaissance paintings are rarely this dark and dramatic, so when I first saw the painting, I thought it belonged to another more shadowy movement. Michelangelo Merisi de Caravaggio was born in 1571 to a well-off family. His initial studies with the arts began when he was 13 years old, apprenticing under an artist that taught him the traditional Renaissance techniques. Caravaggio was born in the latter part of the Renaissance, a period of enormous social and cultural change that took place in Europe during the 15th and 16th century. In this setting, Caravaggio would have been familiar with Renaissance masters like Raphael and da Vinci. Although his studies revolved around established matters, Caravaggio would stick to the Lombard style typically of his region, a style that would eventually carry its own interpretation of nature and spiritual content that clashed with the Renaissance style. What elements normally defined the Renaissance style? The style sought to emphasize perfection, harmony, and idealistic interpretations of nature. Keep in mind the value of harmony when we dive into the conversation later on. Some of these elements were prominent when Caravaggio first began painting religious scenes. If you look at Caravaggio's first religious piece, the Pentinent Madeleine, we can already see his Lombard style that would carry on, later, on to later works. Mary Magdalene sits on the floor weeping, leaving behind her morally lax lifestyle depicted by Julie next to her. The innoxious depiction of Mary, free from the typical bombast of grandeur afforded to other Renaissance depictions of her, is a large stylistic departure intent on framing religious people and events in more human sense. Mary draws little attention to herself 
and the viewer gains a sense of vulnerability that exposes her natural flaws and defects rather than idealized creations. Realism was Caravaggio's ultimate goal, something his patrons and ecclesiastical figures would scorn throughout his life. The Penitent Magdalene was not the last painting Caravaggio would draw criticism for. His 1606 piece, The Death of the Virgin, used a prostitute as a model for Mary, while the actual subject of the painting drew little attention to Mary's overall holiness. Its rejection did little to tarnish Caravaggio's reputation, as the painting was eventually purchased by the Duke of Mantua. It is also worth examining additional paintings by Caravaggio, allowing us to see the repetition of his style consistent across his artistic career. In St. Francis of Assisi in Ecstasy, Caravaggio depicts Francis in the arms of a two-winged angel, receiving the stigmata emblematic of Jesus's passion. If we examine the hands and feet of St. Francis, the wounds typically associated with the phenomenon are absent. In fact, the wound visible to the viewer is under the right breast of Francis. The discrete Baroque style even downplays the angel assisting Francis. The seraph, a six-winged angel from a higher order, which canonically helped Francis, is instead replaced with a more modest two-winged angel, the paintings also betray the ostentatious vision of lights, fires, and a visit from Jesus written in the Bible, opting for a more intimate portrayal of two figures alongside a lake. St. Francis in Ecstasy shares a similar chiaroscuro style with an early 17th century painting of Caravaggio, St. Jerome in writing. Light impacts Jerome's red dress, the skull on the table, and of his books. With Jerome and the items on the table in the foreground, the background remains entirely dark, enveloping even the halo above Jerome's head. A hint of Caravaggio's hum humanism is also present here, namely the barely visible halo that almost sinks into the background. One last painting we will examine that continues the use of chiaroscuro is Salome with the head of John the Baptist. Again, the source of light illuminates most of the foreground while steeping the background in darkness. The shadows nearly engulf the three figures accented by the darkness cast alongside the old maid's wrinkled face and the man's back. Present here is another moment when the Baroque style opts for a more discreet depiction of religious events, rather than the normally grisly account that ended the life of John the Baptist. What we can also gain from this painting is a reflection on death, showing the little glamour afforded following martyrdom. Preceding the events of Salom in Carvaggio's piece, The Beheading of St. John the Baptist, 
This piece falls in line with the naturalist depiction of people and events, as John simply seems to be treated like another person, beheaded on the streets while witnesses view the events. Minimal detail leaves a more threadbare depiction of the scene, appearing to be more of a routine than a climatic event in biblical stories. Let's take the time to examine two similar pieces that define Caravaggio's style. First, we have The Calling of St. Matthew, painted at the beginning of the 17th century, around the time of the conversation. The calling contains Caravaggio's trademark use of chiaroscuro, the top left and bottom right edges of the painting hidden almost completely in shadow. Jesus stands in the shadows besides Peter, while Matthew's Matthew sits beside a group of men at a table. In similar fashion to the conversion, Matthew, Jesus, and Peter draw little attention to themselves. Matthew keeps his head down conducting his business, while the shadows blot out Jesus. Another work of art by Caravaggio is his other attempt to show the conversion of Paul, named the conversion of St. Paul. What distinguishes this piece from Damascus? besides being a completely new painting, is the incorporation of a more dramatic scene that departs from his naturalist vision of religious events. Jesus is dropping down from heaven to directly confront Paul and demand his journey towards Damascus, compared to the more discreet version he initially offered. Now that we have a better understanding of Michelangelo Caravaggio and the social and artistic climate of his time, let us focus our attention on this episode's subject, the conversion on the way to Damascus. What do we notice when we first look at it? What draws our attention? Two figures play a prominent role, Saint Paul or Saul, lying on the floor seeming vulnerable, semi-nude with no armor no help, or no helmet on hearing the words of Jesus urging him to go to Damascus. In front of him, taking up majority of the space, is the horse he was traveling on. In the background, one of Paul's companions tries to rein in the horse, one of his feet held up in the air and foam in his mouth. The painting uses chiaroscuro to achieve the dramatic lightning at the horse and on St. Paul making it seem divine light in shining both on man and beast. We can also see that St. Paul's arms and body create a downward triangle, which goes against the upward triangles that Renaissance painters usually created with the subjects of their paintings. Since we are examining a prominent religious figure, it is important to understand how Paul's vision of Jesus took place and how it may have differed from Caravaggio's depiction. Paul was first mentioned in the book of Acts as a persecutor of Jesus' followers. He intended on visiting Damascus to round up Christians as prisoners and bring them back to Jerusalem. 
On his journey there, he witnesses a flash of light from heaven, and hears Jesus speaking to him, commanding him to find a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. Following his vision, Paul is blinded and cannot eat or drink anything for three days. One of the more important details pertinent to the story and Caravaggio's painting is the inclusion of the horse, which was absent in the Bible story. The spotlight on the horse leads us to this episode's analysis by three art critics, Jacob Bacard, Bernard Berenson, and Rudolf Wittkover. Bacard and Berenson are both 19th century cultural and art historians, while Wittkover was prominent during the 20th century. The 19th century historians are critical of Caravaggio, making it as a betrayal of the prominent Renaissance style that Caravaggio could have studied. With, with, no, Wittkover, however, praises the humanity afforded at Paul's depiction. Let's dive in and see what each of these critics have to say more closely. Beginning with Jacob Burkhardt, he says, How coarsely Caravaggio could compose and feel the conversion of St. Paul shows, where the horse nearly fills the whole of the picture. As we have previously pointed out, the emphasis on the horse detracts from the subject of St. Paul's conversion. Why exactly does Burkhardt feel this way about Caravaggio's painting? His background could give us further insight on the matter. Born to a Protestant minister in 1818, Jacob Burkhardt grew up in a religious household, eventually being pushed to study theology by his father at the age of 18. It is important to note that his father was the chief minister of the state church, affording him an important status in ecclesiastical issues. In 1839, he began to study history and art history, coming into conflict with Leopold von Rank, the person he studied under, and his idea that history was a unified drama influenced by a divine power. When Bacard began publishing his books, he focused primarily on the Middle Ages, visiting Italy for extensive periods of time during the middle part of the 19th century. Eventually, he would go on to produce his most acclaimed work, the Civilization of the Renaissance in Italy, a book that expounded on the virtues and importance of the Renaissance. Art critic Bernard Bernson similarly felt disdain towards Caravaggio's painting. He says, we are to interpret this charade as the conversion of Paul, nothing more in Congress than the importance given to horse over the rider, to dumb beast over the saint. No trace of a miraculous occurrence of supreme importance. Again, the horse draws the viewer away from St. Paul, and there is an absence of over-divine intervention. Berenson's background is similar to Burkhardt, both having extensively studied the Renaissance period. Berenson was born in Lithuania, eventually coming to the United States and studying literature and multiple languages at Harvard in 1884. During his time in college, 
Berenson read the works of influential art and literary critics, Walter, Walter Pater and John Addington Simons. Pater was an English essayist whose book, Studies in History of the Renaissance, focused on the importance of artistic style over moral content. Simons, a cultural historian, wrote Renaissance in Italy, The Fine Arts, a work that traced the emancipation of art from its confined reliance on Christianity to the freedom of subject attained during the Renaissance. Bernard Berenson's future works would include a four-volume series covering paintings from several geographic areas in Italy, released in between the 19th and 20th century. The last critic we will be looking at this case is Rudolf Wittkober. Although he could not find, although we could not find much information about his life and background, we do know that he concentrated on the Baroque style that Caravaggio belonged to. Speaking on the conversion, Wittkower says, in this conversion of St. Paul, he rendered vision solely on the level of inner illumination, like the counter-reformation religious reformers. Caravaggio pleaded through his picture for a man's direct gnosis, or knowledge, of the divine. Like them, he regarded illumination by God as a tangible experience on a purely human level. Baroque painting is typified by its emphasis on intense light, shadows, and an opposition to the Renaissance values of idealism, rather focusing on realistic approaches to human figures. This style is present in none other than the conversion, drawing a distinct line between the two schools of artistic bias between Burkhardt and Berenson, strident advocates of Renaissance ideals. I want to thank you, as well as our panelist Oscar, for this episode. This concludes other, another episode of the Exploring Arts Podcast. Subscribe to, subscribe to Exploring Arts Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your, post, your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon, and remember to stay curious. <laughs>